Well, hey, Blackhawk family, hope that you guys are all doing well. Hey, I don't know about you, but when I, uh, when I see uh, our church beginning to look at Advent conspiracy, there's something that just feels so unbelievably good about that. Our church has had the opportunity to be a part of that movement for the last 13 years. And just like Susan was saying, it gives us a chance as a church, even though we're not meeting together, to collectively come together and to, sp- to display the love of Jesus by the way that we are generous with our neighbors. And so we're just uh, hoping you get a chance to be able to jump in financially with us in that. Hey, another thing too, just to know, um, next week uh, we are starting a new series here uh, for the season of Advent. We are going to go through a series we're just calling Advent. And over the next four weeks, we're going to take a look at the subjects of hope and joy and peace and love as we move through this Advent season, uh, moving up to Christmas. So we're hoping that you're going to join us with that. But today we get the chance to talk about Thanksgiving. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, it's hard for me to believe that Thanksgiving is already here. Our, um, our daughters, Hannah and Leah, are coming home this week from Iowa State University and the University of Georgia, and uh, we're excited to see them. But uh, this Thanksgiving is gonna look different for our family. It, for, for Thanksgiving Day, it's just going to be our immediate family of four that are gathering together. I think that is the first time ever in my life that I haven't been together with, uh, with extended family or with friends on uh, Thanksgiving. Now, normally for Thanksgiving, we're getting together with, with Rachel's folks. Her folks live here in Madison. And so we go over to my in-law's house. We have other extended family that join us and some different friends. Normally there's like 15 to 20 of us that are around uh, a table together. We actually bring up my father-in-law's ping pong table from the basement and set it up in one of their rooms to make it into this like massive banquet table. I think I have a picture that I posted on my Instagram page uh, a couple years ago that that shows that table as we were like ready to get the meal going. Uh, and, And every year that we do Thanksgiving together, we start off with this game that we play where we go around the table and everyone is supposed to share one thing from the previous year that they're thankful for. So the first person will go and share something they're thankful for. And then the next person sitting next to that person has to share what that person said as well as the thing that they are thankful for. And you keep going around the table. So if you're person like 17 or 18 around the table, yeah, good luck. You know, you've got to have your memory game on that day and, uh, but it's just sort of a fun way to look at the things that we are thankful for. So I was thinking about this game because I have no idea if we're playing it this year and uh, if we're doing that as we kind of do a Zoomsgiving. Um, but uh, I started to think about, okay, when it comes to 2020, what do I have to be thankful for? Because let's be honest, it's a little more difficult to come up with that list this year. You know, I mean, as we see COVID numbers jumping out of control, as we see the way that it's affecting our lives and the people we're gathering with and where things are headed in the future, this has just kind of been a dark season that we're in. I mean, I'd say there's at least a decent chance for those of you living in Dane County that your Thanksgiving plans are going to look different than they have in the past. So it just feels a little different. So what do we do like, do, <laughs> do we just cancel Thanksgiving? Do we just get rid of the holiday, just check it off the list that it's not gonna happen? Actually, I think that if we move that way, that actually is a really bad idea. 
Because I would actually, I would more argue that, that we need Thanksgiving in this season more than maybe any other time. That actually the idea of being thankful and grateful, it's something that, uh, well, it's God ordained. We read about it in scripture and, and it actually, when we get to the depth of what scripture says, it actually um, benefits us just as much as, as, as anyone who we are thanking. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna take a look at what, what does it look like for us to be thankful people in the midst of a time where we feel like we don't have as much to give thanks for. And I wanna take a look at a passage of scripture um, that is a short little passage that I think has a really powerful punch. So if you've got your Bibles around on your smartphone or if you've got a paper Bible with you, go ahead and grab that. We're gonna go to the New Testament to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter five is where we are headed together. Now, as, as we dive into that passage, let me give just a little bit of a background on, uh, on the book of Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians uh, was written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, um, as he was on one of his missionary journeys with Timothy, um, had stopped through the town of Thessalonica. And, uh, and in Thessalonica, he had shared with people there about the good news of, of Jesus. And there were many people who gave their lives to Jesus, who came to the place of accepting Jesus Christ and him alone for their salvation. So with the people who had made that decision, uh, Paul went ahead and started a church in this area. After a little bit of time, he and Timothy had left, continuing on their journey. And, uh, and after a period of time, Paul sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to see how this church was doing. Timothy came back with a message to Paul that the church actually was doing well, but they were dealing with persecution and struggle and hardship that were difficult for them. And so Paul writes this letter to encourage the people of the church of Thessalonica. And, and near the, the end of the passage, uh, he writes these particular verses, chapter five, verses 16 through 18. And the passage says this, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. <laughs> okay, Paul knows this church is struggling and yet he goes on and tells them that they need to be people who are joyful always, who pray continually, who, who look to give thanks in every circumstance that they find themselves in. That's a big challenge for a church that's struggling back then. <laughs> Honestly, it's a big challenge for us um, in the situations that we find ourselves in today. And he, he goes on to say, like, this is God's will for our lives. You know, it's interesting. I, I as, a, as a pastor, I get a chance to have a lot of conversations with people who will come to me in different circumstances and situations where they'll ask about the will of God. What does God want for me in my life? How do I figure out the will of God? Maybe you've, I'm guessing potentially you've thought about that at some point in your life. What's God's will for my life? A lot of times people, they ask that question when they are dealing with um, big life decisions. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a career change or a job change that you might be considering. For some of you, it's been a place where you're looking to move and you're looking to kind of uh, pick up your family or head to another area, another city. 
Uh, sometimes I'm talking to college students as they're trying to figure out what major they're going to head and what direction they're heading as far as a career path. Sometimes I have the conversation with a couple who are dating and trying to decide if they're going to like make the move towards marriage and they're trying to figure out the will of God. We do this at different points in our life. But you know what? Like as I read a passage of scripture like this, I don't know, maybe, maybe God's more concerned when it comes to his will for our life, maybe he's more concerned with our hearts in the midst of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, more so than the specific life decisions that we are making. Maybe he desires for us more to look at who are the people that we want to be, that we are being called to be in the midst of the circumstances we find ourselves in, more so than looking at the life decisions that we have coming up. He talks about this is the will of God to be thankful. <laughs> okay, so in 2020, I don't know about you, but just knowing that, uh, that God wants me to be thankful, that's his will for my life, I don't know. I, that's not always the, um, the most motivating thing for me when it comes to looking at being thankful. So we've got to look at, okay, why? Why is it? Why would God want us to be thankful? You know, well, I don't think it comes as a surprise that, that, that joy and thankfulness are two things that are connected with one another. We see it in this passage. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Joy and thankfulness are two ideas that are pretty heavily connected. We actually see this in other areas of scripture. Um, this comes up sometimes in the book of Psalms where we see these two ideas in the same passages. Take a look at this for a minute. Psalm 95 says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Psalm 100 is another passage that moves this way. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. And then in verse four, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, a couple different things that we see taking place in these verses. One is um, you'll notice that, that in these verses, um, the, the joy and, and thanksgiving um, is moving towards somebody. There's a common denominator that we see, and that's the joy and thanksgiving is moved towards God. You see, when we look at the concept of thankfulness, it's not just, who, it's not just what are we thankful for, but it's, it's who are we thankful to. It's coming to the place of realizing that the gifts that we are given in life ultimately come from a God who loves us more than we can understand or imagine. The other thing that we see in these passages is this, this concept of, of joy and thanksgiving being connected with one another. And, and, and let's be honest, isn't, isn't it true that like, we all love the idea of joy. I mean, joy is kind of fantastic. You know, and, and if we're honest, in, in 2020, isn't it true we've been on a little bit of a joy deficit? Like, do you, do you remember joy? You know, uh, joy is something that oftentimes in our life that we think of it, that it comes from uh, external circumstances that happen to us. Like, like in our world, our Western society, 2020, it's like, it's like the accumulation of stuff 
Um, it's promotions that might happen to us in our lives or, or, or the benefits that, that, that come from the different circumstances that take place that do good for us. It's those type of things that, that we end up uh, thinking of. That's the stuff that, that bring us joy. Yet, if we really stop to think about it, my guess is when we do a deep dive, we realize that's not true. Like, I mean, my guess is, is we all have been around people who like, when you look at them, you think, and they have everything it is that they could want. And yet there is no joy in their life. You ever been around one of those people? Like they've got everything they could ever need. And yet they're just sort of glass, half empty, grumpy people. And at the same time, have you ever had the chance to be around a person who, from your perspective, they have nothing. <laughs> Yet they're some of the most joyful people you ever spend time with. You see, we, we, we realize that, that joy, joy is not something that comes from the accumulation of, of stuff or promotions and benefits that come to our life. Ultimately, it really comes from this idea of, of thankfulness. Joy and thankfulness are connected. And in order to find joy, we need to be thankful people. So if that's the case, then why is it so difficult in this world to be thankful? Well, we live in a broken world. We all know that. We live in a world that's full of sin. Um, and, uh, and, and due to the brokenness of this world, we end up being people who constantly are comparing ourselves with other people. You do it, I do it. We're always comparing ourselves. And the people who we're oftentimes comparing ourselves to are people who have more than, than what we have. So we see that, therefore, we never feel like we have enough. And so we live in this like scarcity mentality that, that we never seem to have enough. It's the brokenness of world. There's, there's no win in the game of comparison that we play. At the same time, um, man, 2020 has just been hard. It's a difficult year. I mean, we look at the struggle that we are in right now. I saw, I was looking online last night. I was doing some shopping online and I was looking at Christmas mugs and uh, um, I, I found a Christmas mug that had uh, the Grinch's hand on it, holding a sign that said 2020, stink, stank, stunk. <laughs> there you go. If you're looking for a Christmas gift for me. And, uh, you know, I think about that, man, there's so many people who feel like that right now. Like, like I've talked to friends who they feel, um, a license to indulge in grumbling. Like, well, it's 2020, whatever. You know, for some of you though, you're looking at it and you're going, it's not just 2020. Like, it's not just COVID-19 that's making life difficult. It's just that life is difficult. Like for some of you right now, you're looking at it and you're saying, I, um, it's not COVID. Like it's a cancer diagnosis that I've been living with. And I'm not sure where that's taking me. I know friends of mine in, um, in our church who have lost loved ones. And this is the first holiday season that's coming up that they're doing life without their loved ones. Some of you, you know, that I, like you deal with chronic pain all the time. Some of you, you, you live in a life where for your entire life, due to the culture we live in, you have been marginalized by society. You have been pushed to the margins of life. And, and due to that, you kind of look at the world and you wonder if that is ever actually going to come to an end. 
You know, we live in these worlds and you could easily hear me saying right now that the goal is for you just to be thankful and joyful. And so the only way that you're gonna get there is by kind of like pushing the feelings that you have of the hardness of life down and sweeping them under the carpet. Like you could be looking at me and go, Matt, that, sure, whatever, but I'm just not feeling that. You know, like the idea of, of being thankful. Well, yeah. I love the fact that when we really look at this passage of 1 Thessalonians 5, it really begins to deal with that because we have on the two sides joy and thankfulness, but in the middle of it, Paul tells us to, to pray continually. In other words, to come to God in prayer about everything we're dealing with. That includes the pain and sorrow and suffering and strife and grief, the places where we feel like we need to just beat upon God's chest. He desires for us to bring that stuff to him. And the, like, here's the thing, the richness of a relationship with Jesus doesn't come from an either or. The richness comes from living in the tension of the both end, of the joy and thankfulness along with the pain and sorrow and struggle. Look, in, in the book of Psalms, for every single passage that you read of worship and praise, you'll find another passage having to do with pain and sorrow and crying out to God. And in the midst of the scripture that so much of it is about worship and praise to God, God made sure there was a book in there called Lamentations. It's because God desires in the brokenness of this world for us to be people who live in the tension between these two worlds. It's not an either or, it's a both and. It's a finding thankfulness and gratefulness and at the same time crying out to God in the midst of our pain and suffering. And as we do that, we experience a richness in our relationship with Jesus. So, what does it look like to become thankful people? Like in order to be thankful, what do, I, what do we need to do? Well, the answer to that actually is in the question. What do I need to do? You see, because in order to, in order to be thankful, I need to do thankful. Let me see if I can explain this just a little bit. When I was like 13 years old, I decided that I wanted to become a surfer. I had some friends who were older than me that I looked up to and they surfed and I thought they were really cool. And uh, I would go to the beach and see what they did in the ocean. I thought it just looked so fun. And so I decided I was gonna learn to surf. So um, uh, I bought a board from a friend and got a leash and wax and all that stuff. On top of that, I, uh, well, I, I subscribed to Surfer Magazine. I went to the store and I bought some surfing posters to put up in my room. I started wearing board shorts all the time and the, like started buying clothing from companies like Quicksilver and Vans and Billabong. Um, I started going to the beach all the time. And for a while there, I looked like a surfer. The only thing was <laughs> I wasn't surfing. And I, I kid you not, I remember the first day that I went to the beach with my surfboard under my arm and paddled out into the water for the very first time. And as I got out into the water, it was awful. <laughs> like I just, I got worked that day. I don't think I ever stood up on the board. It was just wipe out after wipe out. I didn't know what I was doing. I was getting tired. Like it just did not go well. But over time, day after day, as I continued to go back, well, I started to get stronger. You know, and, uh, and I started to develop more of an idea of balance on a board. I started to be able to read the ocean better. 
and everything began to change. But you see, in order to be a surfer, I had to do some surfing. You see, it's the same thing when it comes to thankfulness. When it comes to this idea of thankfulness, in order to be thankful, we need to do thankful. In order to become a person who is a thankful person, I need to practice thankfulness. And here's the thing, scripture does not tell us, it doesn't give us a manual on how we move towards thankfulness. It just tells us, be thankful people. Thankfulness is not, it's not a spiritual gift that we are given. It's a, it's a practice that we are meant to learn and, and, and grow. It's a discipline that we move through and, and something that we're supposed to practice in our lives in the same way that you might practice piano or your tennis game or dance or drawing or a golf swing or guitar or shooting free throws or kick flipping a skateboard. You see, as we practice those things, it becomes more natural, a part of who it is that we are. In order to be thankful, we need to do thankful. It's what we're called to do. We need to look for the places in our lives that we have the opportunity to be thankful for, to God for the things that he has done for us, big or small. You know, <laughs> you know what happens as we practice Thankfulness, it's really interesting. We become more thankful. It just becomes a part of who we are. And you know what happens as we become more thankful? We start to find a joy in life. It goes deeper than the circumstances that we find ourselves in, good or bad. We, we begin to be people who see life differently because of the way that God has wired us to experience joy in him through becoming thankful people. You know, this past week, I had a chance to be able to uh, have a conversation with somebody about this subject. There's a woman, longstanding member uh, of our church. She and her family have been going to Blackhawk for a long time. Her name is Sarah Stevens. She is a local artist who actually created the logo for today's message uh, that we are going through, this particular Thanksgiving Sunday that we're calling it. And uh, I had a chance to talk with her this past week and hear more of her story and the way that gratefulness and thankfulness has literally changed her life and perspective. I wanna share that with you. So let's go ahead and take a look at that interview right now. Hey, Sarah, hey, thanks so much for being willing to join us today. Hey, I know that for a lot of people here, there are people who know you, but a bunch don't know you. Can you just share a little bit about your story? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Sarah, of course, and I've been married to Craig for 31 years. We have five kids. We have Zach and Taylor and Luke and Noah by birth and Emily by marriage. And I am a Graham to Adeline Nicole and one on the way. We moved to Wanakee uh, 15 years ago and have gone to Blackhawk for about the same amount of time. Uh, however, I grew up in Madison in a big Irish family that was awesome and big and loving. And that's also where my faith was founded. Um, we, as a family, went to church most Sundays. Uh, and so I grew up with a belief in God, but it, I don't think it was until later in my life that I really understood what having a personal relationship with him was like. Yeah. 
So, okay, I know that gratitude is a big part of your story. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? Yeah, sure. So Craig and I were married in 1989, and we had Zach and Taylor pretty quickly after that and easily. And when we decided we wanted to have a third, it wasn't so easy. We struggled uh, to get pregnant. And so, in fact, we needed doctors and medication to have that happen. But finally, I did get pregnant. And Luke was born in 2001. And it was great, really great. Um, But I didn't feel great. I felt off. There was just, I felt, um, I just wasn't myself. And so... I just kind of called it a funk. Looking back, I think that that was probably um, a bit of postpartum depression. Yeah, I, I know that that um, is a story for a, a lot of women in a church our size. I know I hear that story. I've heard it from women in the past, hear it today. So how did you handle that? Um, probably not really well at first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I was just, it was in foreign territory. I didn't understand what was going on with me. Um, but eventually I confided in a friend at church and she was great and compassionate and kind, but she suggested that I go and buy a journal and write three things every night that I was grateful for. And I said, no, because no, (laughs) I was not a journaler. I had never written in a diary. Um, and if I'm honest, I wasn't feeling really grateful at all. Um, but after a bit of still feeling the same way, I thought, what can it hurt? So I just started. I just started, and it was hard. Um, There were days where that page was empty, and I wrote nothing, and then there were days where I wrote really, at the time, seemingly insignificant things, like like I got a shower, uh, a two-minute shower, without a baby crying, or Zach and Taylor did not fight for 30 consecutive minutes in a day. (laughs) Big wins. Huge at the time, huge. But as I did it, uh, it became easier and easier. I found like myself during the day, um, something would happen and I think, oh, that's gonna be number two. I can put that down. Uh, So I just felt my mindset was changing and I started to feel lighter and happier and more content. Um, But I want to be really clear and say this, that writing things down that you're grateful for is not a cure for postpartum depression. I think I had a really mild case. um, And so this was one of the tools that I used with many other things and with help from doctors and slowly but surely things did get better in that area. Yeah. So, okay. It had a, had a really good um, uh, result for you personally, but how, I'm interested to hear, how did it start to affect you in your relationship with God and your relationship with other people? Yeah, so looking back, um, I think that that, that time um, after Luke was born and then I, I continued the practice of gratitude for many, many years. Um, it, my relationship with God deepened. It felt so much more personal. And I think that's because I wasn't just writing down three things that I was grateful for. I also, it was like a, a prayer of gratitude to God because it was him who I was grateful to. I was not just grateful for things, but I was grateful to God for them. Mm-hmm. And so my faith like grew exponentially during, yeah. 
that from that time till now. That's good. Um, in terms of other people, I probably annoyed my family and friends because I talk about gratitude way too much. But back in 2008, I was in an online group with um, a group of like 20, 30 people around the country and we had a shared experience. And it was a really good place. But after a bit, some negativity started creeping into the space. And I'm not a fan of negativity. It doesn't do anything for my soul. So I decided one day to just bring my practice of gratitude into that online group. And so I just posted, share a couple things you're grateful for. And it was a Tuesday, and I called it Gratitude Tuesday. It was really dorky, but it stuck. <laughs> it did, it stuck. And uh, we did that every week for many years. And then I took it to social media later on when social media became a bigger thing. Um, personal social media and business. So now like my art community that I have, um, we do Gratitude Tuesday every week. I even like make some little fun templates for them to use to practice their journal, their gratitude and share it and spread the attitude of gratitude. All right, so Gratitude Day's happening. Things are all seeming to go really well. You're mm. practicing this. And then um, 2015 hits. Can you share a little bit with everybody about what took place then? Yeah. Um, so from... 2013 to 2018, that five-year period, I had seven surgeries, which was not fun. Wow. Uh, the, worst, the worst one was in 2015. Uh, they had discovered a tumor in my kidney, and they thought that it had a good chance of being cancer. So they removed part of my kidney and the tumor. Um, thank God the tumor was benign. So that was the great news. The downside of that was some damage was done during surgery to nerves in the kidney area, and I was left with um, chronic nerve pain. So I have experienced pain um, every single second of every single day. So since then, sorry. Yeah, that's so. Your story is not one of uh, how grateful you are for miraculous healing that's taken place or anything like that? No, no, it's not. Um, I'm really grateful that it wasn't cancer. Yeah. But the, what it left me with was, you know, sometimes debilitating pain. And I have tried everything. Um, I've seen all the doctors. I've taken all the medications that help with pain. In fact, the first one that I took, um, I was the one of the lucky 1% to 3% that has the side effect of depression. And so that medication sent me into my first, at 48 years old, um, into my first clinical major depression. And it was deep and dark and hard. Um, but we tried other things. I've tried meditation and prayer, of course. I, breathing techniques have been what really has worked for me. I even tried acupuncture. Uh, in fact, at the last, what was the last appointment, uh, the acupuncturist was really kind and said, have you experienced any relief so far from your pain? And I told her that I had not. And she said, very honestly, then we don't think that you will, so you don't need to come anymore. And that was really hard. Acupuncture was my last hope. At least that's what it felt like at the time. And so I left that clinic, left her office, and I went out to my minivan 
and I sat in the minivan and I cried and I screamed. I was so angry and bitter and mad at God and I let him know. Okay, I am just so glad, Sarah, that you're willing to go to a place of like rawness right now and say that out loud because I think for a lot of people listening right now, there, there are those who feel like they couldn't be that way with God, especially if they're trying to move towards an idea of gratefulness and, and thankfulness. Mm-hmm. So where did you go from there? Yeah, um, I ended up going back into habits that had been formed for many years. Um, it wasn't easy, but I started to intentionally practice gratitude again. I had not been writing things down for a couple of years. I had had the attitude and I looked for good things, but I hadn't written them, written them down. So I went back to that and it was like baby steps. It was not easy. Um, there were days where I couldn't do it at all. And there were days that I, um, I was still yelling at God quite a bit. Um, and now I, I don't write them down anymore. I, it's become almost like I'm hardwired to do it. Um, I have, practiced it for so long that it feels um, reflexive at this point. And yeah, so I just, I just try really hard to focus on the good things every day, even when it's hard. You know, through chronic pain and other things from the other six, surg- six surgeries, it's been hard, um, but yet I am still grateful. Man, that's unbelievable. Okay, so here's, here's what I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. is that there are some people who are hearing your story right now and saying, okay, Sarah, so great that you're there, but that's not me. I can't do that. That sounds too hard. If I were to try that, that would feel fake. Like, what would you say to that person? I would say, I get it. I was you. <laughs> I mean, that was me in 2001 when I said, no, I'm not gonna, that's a silly idea. Why would I wanna get a journal. I don't love journaling. I'm not grateful. I get it. Um, But gosh, after practicing gratitude and seeing the benefits of it um, in my life, in good and bad times, for almost 20 years, I've learned a couple of lessons. Um, The first one would be that, uh, and people have heard me say this probably way too much, but gratitude is a muscle. And if you don't work it, it can't grow, it can't strengthen. So the more you move it and the more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. Um, On the opposite end, if you don't use it, it can atrophy like a muscle in our body would as well. It can weaken. Um, But the really cool thing is, is those times in my life when I kind of maybe stopped doing it for a bit and then something hard happened, it was like a muscle memory that had been built was there and it kicked right back in. It was like riding a bike for a kid. Um, it doesn't mean that it was easy, but it was easier than if I had started. That would be the first lesson. The second would just be, um, you're trying something new, and so it's gonna take some time and practice. Um, practice makes progress, not perfect. And so just try things. Um, even when it's hard, even when you don't feel grateful, I actually think those are the most important days to be grateful are on the ones that you're not feeling it at all. People think that you have to um, feel it to do it, but it's really honestly the opposite. Mm. You have mm. to do it in order to feel it. It's good. It's good. 
Well, Sarah, thank you so much for um, being willing to come in and just share your story and the way that God's worked in your life through this season. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I could have sat and had a conversation with Sarah for a long time about that subject, but I love where she ended with this concept of, we think oftentimes that when it comes to thankfulness and gratitude, that we need to, we need to feel it in order to do it. But in reality, we need to do it in order to feel it. In other words, we need to be people that if we want to be thankful, we need to do thankful. So I want to put a challenge out to our entire church. Everyone who's listening right now, I don't, doesn't matter what age or stage of life you're at. It doesn't matter how long you have been checking out what we have been doing online. It doesn't matter to me if you're a believer or not. I want to make a challenge to all of us to do something for the next 40 days. You see, if we take today, including today, and go to the end of 2020, we have 40 days. 40 days left of the year 2020. And uh, I wanna make a challenge that you would grab a journal or even just an old notebook and a pen and every day between now and the end of the year for the next 40 days that you would write down three things that you're thankful for as big or as small as they might be, that we would start to be people who develop this practice of thankfulness. 40 days is enough time to build a habit. And the hope would be that as we do thankful, that we would become thankful people. And that as we become thankful, that even in the midst of the darkness that 2020 has brought and looks like right now for a little while longer, it's going to continue to bring that we, would, that we would find God-given joy that's not based upon our circumstances, but of an understanding of a God who loves us more than we can understand or imagine. So come on, church. Like, let's do this. Let's, let's take back 2020 and end in a place of where we're reminded once again of the joy that we can find in our relationship with Jesus and the benefits that he brings to our life. The way to do that is by being thankful and to be thankful, we have to do thankful. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for the blessings that you bring to my life that I just so easy, easily overlook. God, I pray for, uh, for all of us that you would open our eyes to the ways that you are working inside of us that we would be more transformed into the people who you desire for us to be. Help us, Father, to become thankful people that we might experience a greater level of joy that's not based upon our circumstances. God, I pray for people in our church who are hurting right now. We're dealing with all kinds of things that are like bringing pain and sorrow. God, in the midst of, of their crying out to you, would they be able to see places where they can find joy to the ways that you're blessing them? That people would feel comfortable living in the, the richness of the both and rather than trying to move towards the either or. God, thanks for your love for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people together said, amen.